Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. I mean, I, I get it. I understand. Usually we're spoiled with Mr. Joe. Usually he fills in that portion of our service. But are you kidding me? To be able to have somebody like Joe and then have our backups perform like that? Are you, are you serious? Round of applause for everybody again. One more time for leading us in worship this morning. We are here on Resurrection Sunday. This is the Sunday. This is the pinnacle of Christ and his work while he was here on the earth. And, and see, I just want to start off by, by saying this before we, we get into God's word this morning. I just want to bring something to your attention. Just real quick, just look around. T take a look at who you're sitting next to, who who's in this building. See, there's a message that the world is trying to get across. There's a narrative that's untrue. Even when you watch sporting events, even the sporting events that we watched yesterday, the Final Four is in full swing. Unity is on the court. But last time I checked, we're being told that we're not united. We're being told that there is no unity. In fact, we're, we're told that in order to seek unity, we need to do X, Y, and Z. But when I look in this room, and I hear this wonderful message from Pastor Israel, whose second language is English, his native tongue is Spanish, to be able to communicate God's truth up here shows us that unity is only found through Jesus who is risen from the grave. The world has it wrong. And let's not ever forget that. And let us never forget that no one will ever tell us how to think and how to speak and how to behave outside of the gospel. We speak, we behave, and we think according to the good news of Jesus, not some false narrative. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this morning and open your word, I just pray that we can just focus on the importance of the resurrection, your body of work. In fact, we're all in this room this morning because of you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to direct your attention to a scientist. His name is Michael Faraday. Some of you may have heard of Michael Faraday. Maybe some of you have not. But he is best known for being a pioneer in electromagnetic induction. He's actually considered to maybe be the foremost pioneer in fields like electrical engineering and electrochemistry. However, there is one story pertaining to Faraday that's actually quite fitting for us here, I believe, on Resurrection Sunday. See, the story happened in his lab. He had an assistant working for him, and there was a prized goblet in his lab. I, I don't know if you know what a goblet is when I first heard it. I mean, I'm a little bit younger. I thought it was something you pull out of a turkey on Thanksgiving. 
Come to find out it's actually like a scepter, like a glass with a stem, kind of like a wine glass. But this goblet was made out of silver, and it was a prized goblet of Faraday's. And the story goes that this careless help or aid in his lab accidentally dropped it into a whole entire vat of acid. Immediately, the acid ate away the silver atom by atom. Clear vat of acid, goblet goes in, look to the bottom, where is the goblet? It disappeared into the vat of clear acid. See, the workman, the aide, lost all hope in that goblet. He thought it was gone forever. However, Faraday knew a thing or two. He knew that that goblet was not gone forever. See, the goblet was no longer visible, but its form was still present. And that's exactly what the scientist knew. So then he proceeded to pour the correct combination of chemicals into that vat of acid. And lo and behold, the silver came back together atom by atom. Church, if a chemist who is limited into his own flesh, if he can gather together the atoms of a sacred silver goblet, how much easier do you think it's going to be for the Almighty God to gather together the scattered elements of human beings and put them back together? Brothers and sisters, when God raises us from the dead, we will be raised to a better, everlasting life. This is what we long for. I don't know about you, but I'm not longing for a better life in this life. I'm longing for a better life in my life to come. And that's to be resurrected into that better life, just like Jesus was resurrected. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Raised hope. Raised hope. Today we're going to be in 1 Peter. We're going to be looking at three verses. Chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5 this morning. We're going to be encouraged today as we look at these verses. We're going to be encouraged in our future hope which is just that, it is our life to come, a life that supersedes this life now. So if you think you're living your best life now, because we hear people say that they have these means, so-and-so, living their best life. So if you think that you are currently living your best life, or if your pursuit is to live your best life now, you're missing the importance of Jesus and his resurrection from the grave. After all, who wants to be a helpless goblet, invisible within a vat of acid? I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds like hell to me. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. Here's these three simple verses into one simple sentence. This is our main idea. The resurrection of Jesus is our only hope of a future. The resurrection of Jesus is our only hope of a future. There is no hope of a future outside of the resurrection of Jesus. This is what your latest model car will one day look like. I don't know what some of you drive, but it doesn't really matter. Whatever it is that you're driving right now, it will one day look like this, guaranteed. And do you know what expression should be taken back when looking at a rusted out auto just like this? There's an expression that we say sometimes about cars from this era or things from this era, and that expression should be taken back, and it is. They don't make them like they used to. Church, there is nothing man-made that will ever withstand the hands of time. However, with God, this is not true. God has reserved timeless treasure for us. Isn't that amazing? He's reserved timeless treasure for us. In fact, we're told in our verses this morning that it's an inheritance that's imperishable. And we see precisely that in verses 3 and 4. Peter begins by saying this. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, blessed, when we start off here, blessed means to extol or to give high praise. Why? Why is he wanting us to give high praise? See, we are frail, finite, sinful creation. That he, a.k.a., as it says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, created. Brothers and sisters, we were not created. And I can't stress this enough. We were not created for this sinful environment. We weren't. However, we were created for in an environment that is, in fact, sinless. Therefore, this is why we should extol. This is why we should give high praise. This is why we should bless our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we are guilty. We are guilty. We stained His perfect creation. Therefore, as frail, finite, sinful creation, we praise Him who is powerful and Him who is forever without sin, Him who is not bound by time. And as it pertains to us, we bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because He has shown us His great mercy. Not just His mercy alone, but His Great mercy. See, mercy alone is nothing more than mere compassion. We can show each other compassion, but God has gone beyond just showing us compassion. The great mercy of God manifested through Jesus Christ has actually put an end to our suffering. Suffering due to our own sinfulness. This is why He has caused us, as it says, to be born again to a living hope. 
See, living hope is the stark contrast, or it is in stark contrast to the empty, frustrating, and deceptive false hope of the world. See, the false hope of this world is, is found in governments. The false hope of this world is found in politicians. The false hope of this world, and, and some of you who are maybe a little bit younger, who participate maybe in social media, the false hope in this world is actually tied up into people who have those little blue verified checks next to their name. Oh, because they said it and have the blue check, they must know what they're talking about. They must be correct. Church, our hope is, as it says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There it is. This is your raised hope. There it is. This is our raised hope. Jesus tasted a death that we will never have to taste. The resurrection of Jesus says death doesn't have to be an option. Though we know that one day we will die for sure, death itself does not have to be an option. The resurrection of Jesus says we have an inheritance that is imperishable. The resurrection of Jesus says it's undefiled and it's unfading because the resurrection of Jesus says that it's kept in heaven for you. The resurrection of Jesus says even though your late model auto will one day rust out and decay, it's okay. Because they don't make them like they used to. Well, if we're talking about Jesus, that is. Brothers and sisters, if a vat of acid is no match for a weak, silver, metaled goblet, then the death that we are facing certainly is no match either. For frail, finite, sinful creation, and especially, especially for those who have faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this brings us to our first point this morning. Faith in the risen Jesus in suffering and conquers death. Faith in the risen Jesus in suffering and conquers death. Again, our main idea this morning stated, the resurrection of Jesus is our only hope of a future. Do you know what you need to stay awake? In order to stay awake, you need power and you need energy. Just ask our Queen's guard here. He looks like he's full of power and energy now, doesn't he? I mean, and you have to assume in order to be a queen's guard, you can't just be any Joe Schmo. I mean, you, you have to be qualified, first and foremost. You have to be highly trained. Yet, this individual here doesn't even have the energy, doesn't even have the power to stay awake during his own post. No matter how qualified he was before getting this gig, no matter how much training he received, quite clearly he's showing to us as the queen's guard, that he doesn't even have the power and energy to stay awake. Church, let's face it. 
This is us as humans. Frail, finite creation. This is us. We are limited in our power and energy. God's power, however, as we know here in the text, is our guard on duty. And God's power is unlike human power. And it should go without saying that God's power is unlike our queen's guard here. He's clearly falling or failing to guard the queen. He's failing in his job. He's failing to guard her from her enemies. So for some of this, some of us here this morning, this is a reminder. For some of us, this may be the first time that we've even thought like this. Whether it's refresher or the first time, we all need to ask ourselves this one very important question. Who's guarding me until the last of time? Is it me and my own power and energy? Is it the government? Is it a politician? Is it somebody with a verified blue check next to their name? Or is it God in his power? And we're encouraged in as much in verse 5. And when we look at verse 5, we need to understand, for those of you who remember about a year ago, we did a sermon series titled Jesus in the Old Testament. Some of us here remember that series where we went through about seven different places in the Old Testament where Jesus physically showed up before his birth. That's right. Jesus showed up on earth before he was born to Mary, and Scripture can prove as much. But hopefully you'll remember the encounter of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, when they were thrown into that fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar, remember... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three of them go into the fiery furnace, but Scripture tells us there was a fourth individual in the fire with them. And who do you think that fourth person was? It was Jesus. See, God allowed for them to be put into the furnace, but then he got right in there with them. Which is why I love how verse 5 begins. Who by God's power are being guarded. Unlike our queen's guard, God didn't fall asleep on his post, nor will he ever fall asleep on his post. We are, as it says, being guarded through faith for a salvation, and we're being guarded by Jesus himself. There's a school of thought adhered to by some who believe that the risen Jesus hasn't really guarded us through, as it says, faith for a salvation. See, they believe that today's saints are, and tomorrow's are actually, I can say it like this. They kind of believe that today's saints could become tomorrow's reprobates. They believe that one day we can be Peter and the next day we could be Judas. See, basically what they believe is that we can lose our salvation. They believe that we can come to a saving faith in Jesus and then somehow lose said salvation. Lose our faith. Church, we do not earn and we do not maintain our salvation. It's the risen Jesus who earned it. It's God's power that maintains it. In fact, it's God who even gave us our faith to begin with. Again, God might allow us to be put into the furnace but you better believe he'll get in there with us. Think about it. 
That's what we're celebrating here on Resurrection Sunday. That. Jesus left heaven to get into a fiery furnace. He left heaven to come be crucified, buried, and resurrected in order to guard us so our salvation, our eternity, our imperishable inheritance can be guarded forever. That's what the empty cross represents. Now, there's a reason why I dislike Jesus upon the cross. When Jesus is depicted as still being upon a crucifix, it tells us that Satan has Jesus right where he wants him. Defeated, conquered. But an empty cross, a crucifix that does not depict Jesus upon it, a crucifix that depicts Jesus as being resurrected, shows us that he is alive. He conquered the grave. But he left heaven to come do it. There is nothing that Jesus won't guard us from. And most namely, the one thing that can never be stripped from us once we have faith in him is our salvation. So as Joe joins me this morning, let's examine one last thing about this salvation. Quite simply, as it says, it's ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I understand that some of us might be asking the question this morning, when is the last time? See, the last time is that time, that period of time between when Jesus ascended up into heaven until he comes back and gathers his elect, until he gathers us, his church. So when he returns, who's guarding you? Who is it? Are you so wrapped up in what's going on that you're looking for the government to guard you? Are you trusting that some politician that you voted into office is going to guard you? I mean, because after all, we all naively think that the Constitution's actually protecting us. Go find yourself a good lawyer. He'll find his way around the Constitution. Church, it may just be too late. It may just be too late. And I want to share what was said by another pastor a few weeks ago. He said to his church, it's too late for America, but it's not too late for the elect. So go back to what Pastor Israel was encouraging us in this morning. If it's too late for our country, but we know it's not too late for those who can come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go. That's why we say, know, grow, go. We want to know Jesus. We want to grow in Him for the purpose of going. As it says in Matthew 28, the end of the chapter that Pastor Israel did this morning, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit. So though we may be in the last days, we may even be in the last days of the governing authorities in our own country, what really matters is we're not too late to share the good news of a resurrected Jesus.
Brothers and sisters, please. Let this world have its glory now. Just let them have it. Let them have their glory because it's going to be followed by eternal suffering anyway. We may not have our glory now, but one day it's been promised to us that we will and we know that that is going to come true because of the cross and because it stands empty because Jesus could not be held down by death's grip. So we may suffer now, but God's power has guarded us through faith for salvation ready, as it says, to be revealed in the last time. And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. God earns, maintains, and gives us our faith in the risen Jesus. God earns, maintains, and gives us our faith in the risen Jesus. This is all contingent upon the work of Christ. And in my opinion, my conviction, the reason why I believe this reigns so true is because if I could do anything on my own to conjure up my own faith in a risen Savior, He wouldn't be a Savior at all because I would have something to do with it. He's only a Savior because He alone is the only one that had anything to do with the imperishable inheritance that we will receive for all of eternity, the eternal glory that we will share with Christ because of Him and His work. And once again, let's not forget our main point, or our first point first. Faith in the risen Jesus in suffering and conquers death. And finally, our main idea this morning. This Resurrection Sunday, know this. The resurrection of Jesus is our only hope of a future. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work upon the cross. Thank you for this body of believers. I pray that as we move forward together that you can use us to not only encourage one another to sharpen each other in you, but also use us to share this good news. You have gifted us all differently and uniquely. And I pray that we learn how to use our gifts together as a team to go forth and make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we can pray all of this because of the work of Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.